Coming up on Chasing the Natty, it is Dynasty season as we discuss a recent CFF Dynasty League we joined. We'll discuss our draft picks and what our strategies were, as well as plenty of transfer news in this past couple of weeks. All that and more coming right up. Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. All right, welcome in everybody. It is a beautiful day here down in the south, and welcome back to Chase of the Natty. Uh, Xavier, how you doing, man? Been good. Uh, tired. Been uh, going back to the gym. So. Oh yeah, it must be the swing of that. It... Must be so hard playing all those FIFA matches. Oh. Yeah. Those are always fun, but yeah, you know, coming back home, uh, coming back to Athens, playing basketball against people in the community. Yeah, it's definitely good it's to get back a, out and everything. Time. I definitely agree. Yeah, um, I've been getting back into the gym. I've probably mentioned that before on the podcast, and I feel so much better now that I'm back into the swing of that. So yeah, all right. So on today's episode of Chasing the Natty, Xavier and I, we have hopped into a dynasty league recently hosted by uh, Insider CFF. He was kind enough to ask both of us to join that in for some good experience. And so we're gonna talk about that draft and some of the things we learned doing that as well as what our strategies were. Um, on top of that, before we get to that, we're going to read through some announcements first and then we'll get to some transfer portal news and then we'll get to the Dynasty talk. So our first announcement here, don't forget August, 13th through the 15th is the Fantasy Football Expo. We will be joining as part of the King's Classic League for College Fantasy Football, hosted by John Laub. We will be there on site. We'll be doing a live draft, and we will be keeping you guys up with that league as the season goes on. So please make sure to join us when we do that. There will also be a live lottery show coming up where we will be learning which pick we have in that draft. Xavier and I will be on a team, so you will definitely want to be there in order to see us bicker and argue as we try to determine who we want on our fantasy team during that is going to be fantastic. So the next announcement we have here are our two products that uh, Chase and Natty has been offering to the community, to the fantasy community. There are two things you can always do to be prepared for the season that or. Be to do for your drafts that is be prepared and be flexible our two products that we're offering are going to help you do both the first option here is the cff 2021 adp ecr sheet this is a sheet that will include as many mock drafts as i've been able to get my hands on and give you plenty of adp data for you to use this upcoming season adp if you don't know is average draft position you'll be able to understand where players are going how long you might be able to wait on somebody on top of that, we also have ECR, which is expert consensus rankings. That will be involved that will involve all sorts of different experts from the CFF community publishing their rankings and I have gotten permission from them to include their rankings in this sheet in order to give you an idea of where people who 
are able to spend a lot more time on this than maybe the average person can think that these players should be going in drafts on top of that some people have asked me in the dms jared fantrax has adp data why is this any better than what we can get on fantrax well the answer is very simple fantrax does not differentiate between the different types of leagues with their adp data it can be dynasty it could be redraft it could be best ball they throw that all into one adp with this adp sheet this the mock drafts included in it are only redraft and in the future i am hoping to also add best ball and dynasty drafts into it and differentiate all the different three so that you can know exactly which players are supposed to go higher and which type of leagues so with that being said it is 30 dollars but there's an easy way to get 50% off if you can just subscribe to our YouTube channel as well as show us that you have left a review on Apple Podcasts at, or if you don't have an Apple product, you can just show that you have followed us on Spotify. Now, moving on from that, I mentioned before, there are two things you can do for your draft. Be prepared, be flexible. This helps you be prepared. The second option we have here, the Mock Draft Mondays services we've been offering. They will help you be flexible. The only way you can learn how to be flexible is to put yourself in a drafting environment so that when your guy is taken and you and the draft is not going to how you want it, you are there getting practice of how to change your strategy in the draft room. There's nothing worse than going into a draft with a, all, this entire plan of, I'm going to draft this player, this position, this round, and it just completely falls apart. You need to be in a draft environment in order to learn how to keep yourself calm and how to change your strategy as the draft is going on. And that's where these mock draft Mondays come into play. Every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be hosting a mock draft on Fantrax for anybody to join. If you sign up, please make sure you will be there. There's nothing worse than having multiple people who are on auto draft and that can kill the results of the draft. So please, if you sign up, make sure you will be there. And if you can't make it, that's fine. If you've already signed up, just DM me, let me know, I can take you off. It's completely fine, no hard feelings. We'll make the draft work no matter what. So with all those announcements out of the way, Xavier, is there anything else you wanna add in here before we get started on today's content? No, I'm ready to get started. All righty, that's, that's the attitude I like. So we're going to start off with some transfer portal news, and then we're going to move on to our Dynasty draft. It's time for transfer portal news. All right, so we actually have a pretty good, a decent crop of some transfers going on this week. Uh, this week, so the first one we're going to go with here is Eric Gilbert and Xavier. I'm going to let you kind of start this off and talk to me about the impact of this, as well as, yeah, just the impact of this. What are you, what are you kind of thinking here? Uh, I, I think for fantasy football as a sport, I, I, I like the move for Georgia as a Georgia fan, but just as a football, college football fan in general, I'm happy to see Eric Gilbert back on the football field for this upcoming season, uh, barring everything goes well with NCAA, which I don't think we should have any problems with that. But um, yeah, great talent, five-star tight end. Now he is transferring from LSU as a tight end and he's moving over to the wide receiver position. And Eric's had an interesting path for college football for his first year going into his second year. He was originally at LSU, had a great freshman campaign, 
then de uh, decided to enter the transfer portal and ended up at Florida for just, you know, maybe a week or two and then uh, decommitted from there. And then we didn't know where, where Eric Gilbert would end up. Uh, there were a lot of rumors um, that he was kind of homesick as well. So the Florida thing didn't make sense to me because I was like, look, I mean, I understand Florida's a little bit closer to Georgia because that's where he's originally from, but still, uh, you know, ways away than uh, Louisiana and Georgia. So when he decommitted, I was like, I didn't have – High hopes that Georgia would land him. I thought he would have gone somewhere and maybe that would help his draft stock because he definitely seems to be an NFL talent. And the great thing is with Eric, uh, he came in out of high school as an athlete, just a pure athlete. So it's up to the coach's discretion to uh, put him wherever they feel like they need uh, for a best suit. So at LSU was tight end. And now at Georgia, since we already have our tight end in Darnell Washington, it's going to be receiver. And I know a lot of people may be, you know, conflicted about this now that his value may have gone down. But I, I'd i say we'll, we'll let things develop because with the George Pickens injury, you know, we don't have that true number one receiver that can just, you know, that X receiver that can just be on the outside. You throw it up there and he can go up there and get it. And I think Eric Gilbert is one of those talents. I'm not saying Georgia doesn't have those players. We have a lot of players coming back like Rosemary Jack Saint. Uh, Man, oh, man, who's our Arian Smith, uh, Jermaine man, Burton, Marcus Rosemi, Dominic Dominic Blaylock. We got a whole host oh, of them there. I'm forgetting our uh, our Miss Oh Mister Reliable. Oh man, why am I forgetting his name? Starts with a a K, I believe. Kiers Jackson, your Kiers boy. Jackson. What are you doing here? Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's been a while since we talked uh, shop, so I'm forgetting names. But, yeah, I think Eric Gilbert is probably one of the better talents out of that group uh, in terms of experience and the freshman campaign that he had. So I'm really excited to see what he does with Georgia with JT Daniels in his second year, getting used to those receivers and having another target and weapon for him to use. Mm -hmm. So I, I, li I like the fit, especially for his career. And if he has NFL aspirations, I think he'll be fine. Again, I agree with you. From a, pool, from a pure football perspective, I like the fit. He seems to finally kind of be settling in somewhere where – He's not worrying about homesickness. He can feel like he's comfortable in the environment, and I can't be happier for him. From everything I've heard, that's what they're saying. Um, but I have to kind of agree with most people to where I do think his overall fantasy, from like compare his fantasy impact that he would have had at LSU compared to now here at Georgia, I do think it's stocked down. I don't think there's any denying that. On top of the move from tight end to wide receiver, because. This isn't like a, oh, it's Kyle Pitts kind of deal where he's, still, he's labeled a tight end, but he acts like a wide receiver. No, Georgia has moved him over to wide receiver. He is labeled as a wide receiver on their roster, and I cannot imagine that Fantrax, because of that, will be keeping Eric Gilbert at tight end in their system, and will be switching him over to wide receiver. And to me, that's even worse value. If he's still tight end, I love it. I would be like, this man's a tight end, but he's going to be a wide receiver effectively. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think he'll be moved over to wide receiver. And just compared to some of the other guys on Georgia, like I like Eric Gilbert. I think he'll be one of the most talented receiving options at Georgia this upcoming year. But I still think that Jermaine Burton is going to be your number one guy. And then from there, it's kind of a crapshoot from how the targets are divvied up. You got Eric Gilbert, like you were saying. We got Marcus Roseme. We got... Uh, Karis Jackson, you got Arian Smith, Dominic Blaylock's coming back. From there, it's kind of a crapshoot on who gets the targets. And that's just not something that I'm going to want to rely on every single week. So again, I like it. Again, like you said, as a Georgia fan and like as, from a pure 
pure football perspective. I love this. I think he may, I I think he's going to do well here at Georgia. I'm just not from a redraft perspective ready to take him on this upcoming year. Now, we'll, as we'll see in a minute with Dynasty, that might be a little bit of a different story, but we will see. So, we'll go ahead and move on to our second guy here we have uh, to talk about for the transfer portal this week, and that is going to be Keelan Robinson, running back out of Alabama, transferring to Texas, following Steve Sarkeesian from Alabama to Texas. He does not have any 2020 stats as far as I've been able to discern. I believe he opted out, but I can't confirm that. Regardless, as a recruit, he was a four-star. He had a he was a number 244th overall recruit, number 15 running back, and the number two player out of Washington, D.C. In 2019, as a freshman, he had 39 attempts, 254 yards, and two touchdowns. So pretty typical standard freshman running back work, especially for a four-star in Bama's roster. I think he did pretty well. Again, didn't did not play in 2020, is now following C. Sarkeesian over to Texas. So overall, I think this is a good move for him. I don't think he was going to be beating out Bama running backs there. Uh, Brian Robinson, Chase McClellan, Roy Dell Williams seemed to be all the guys that were kind of taking over there. And then you got five-star Kamar Wheaton coming in this year. I just don't think he was going to be able to find a place. So I think him moving over to Texas was a good move for him. He's now behind Bijan Robinson, probably going to be sharing that number two role possibly with Roshan Johnson. But I have to ask you, Mr. Xavier, who has Bijan number one as your running back, does this affect does this affect your opinion of Bijan at all? Do you think that this is going to be siphoning off some of those carries that Bijan might have gotten? What are your thoughts here? Oh, yeah, this is tough. Uh is getting a guy that he knows, so that's that's always something a coach uh, loves and wants, and he probably will be utilized in that offense, even though we, I think it's the consensus that Bijan is the better talent. Um, with that being said, I, I do have a few concerns, but it's not enough for me to just fall off the Bijan train. I think Bijan is just so versatile at what he does from a rushing and uh, catching out of the backfield that no matter what, he'll probably still have that bell cow role. It'll just probably be times in where, you know, he'll be a three down back. And then if he's tired and they, uh, if he's tired after maybe another down or something, they'll put him Keelan. But if Keelan does uh, prove to stand out, then I would be concerned. If I heard, heard some more things at the camp, then yeah. But for now, I'm still going with Bijan for the versatility that he has on the ground and through the air. Oh, by no means am I asking you to like hop off the Bijan train altogether. I, but I guess... Again, my question now remains like, is he still your number one overall running back? Because I was, because to me, this is like, again, I have Bijan as my number three running back still. I like him a lot. But this oh. is just another thing for me to add on to where I think Brees Hall and Mohamed Ibrahim go ahead of them. Like, they're, they're not having these competitions for carries like Bijan could possibly come, have this upcoming year. Now, I still, I agree with you. Bijan's the most talented running back in that room. But also, again, like you mentioned, this is Sarkeesian bringing in a guy he knows, a guy he can rely on. Like, I have a feeling that he wouldn't be coming to Texas if he didn't believe that Sarkeesian wasn't going to give him some kind of carries. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I, I, I like Bijan's ability to catch out of the backfield more than I like the other two, Brees and Muhammad Ibrahim. So I, I like that with the fact I may, I may not be getting the touchdowns of a Brees Hall or a Muhammad Ibrahim, or maybe like not the rushing yards of Muhammad Ibrahim at all. 
but I think the culmination of him receiving and rushing is enough to, for me to still like, you know, have faith in him as that number one. All right. Nope. I definitely think that's fair. So we'll go ahead and move on to our third guy here that we're going to talk about with transfer portal news today. And that is Mr. David Bailey transferring running back transferring from Boston college to Colorado state. Another player who has followed his old coach to their new program. Uh, David Bailey was kind of the last major running back after AJ Dillon under Steve Adazio was kind of expected to take over the next that big bell cow role that next year Steve Adazio is fired he moves on to Colorado State David Bailey sticks around another year looks like the new Boston College coach I can't remember his name off the top of my head um if you want to re- if you want to look that up for me real quick Xavier um yeah but Seems a little bit more pass-oriented than Steve Adazio had been in the past. Phil Jerkovich, Dave Flowers, they got that relationship kind of going there. Um, they're kind of relying a bit more on the passing to the running backs rather than just handing the ball off to them. And I believe it looks like that David Bailey just felt like this wasn't the, this wasn't the role that he had signed up to be. So now he's following Steve Adazio over to Colorado State. And I have to say, I love this. You will see, I am drafting David Bailey in this role now. I believe he will be the most talented running back on Colorado State's roster. And I absolutely believe that Steve Adazio is gonna look to him as that bell cow role that Steve Adazio has loved to develop. So yeah, I like this a lot. So Xavier, what are your kind of thoughts here? Yeah, uh, I I look at it as a, you know, a great running back with a coach that has uh, faith in his run game and they're, they're moving to Colorado State. And I think with that division, it's there. It's it should be valued as high as you're putting. Like where people are drafting him now more and more and more than they were, you know, maybe a couple of weeks ago. So I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I just wish, you know, for our dynasty, I would have uh, read the news sooner. But that's that's the part of dynasty as well, to where like you know you have to stay up to date on some of these transfers, and especially with this new, you know, NCAA transfer portal, uh, the new transfer portal rules. You don't. Know what could happen situations can change I used to go up down but I think yeah this is a stock you definitely want to be putting into as well if you have the ability to get David Bailey maybe later on I, I think you know I, I'm with you on that to where I think he will be a bail cow role and have that high production so at the end of the day he could end up in that like top 15 running backs uh we never know because it's, it's Colorado State so it's not they're not playing the you know the best of competition in terms of defense so I think David Bailey is going to, you know, thr- hopefully thrive out there with his old coach and have that same role that he was looking for. Yeah, and um, I'll, I'll bring up some uh, ADP and ECR information here. Again, if you want access to this information, this sheet is invaluable. Please, um, please, like, get access to it. It's fantastic. So in the past month, uh, his ADP has risen his overall ADP for the entire offseason has been 187. His ADP in the last month has been 141. So he's jumped up about four he, he's jumped up about 40 spots there. And that probably doesn't even tell the full story because the highest I'm seeing him drafted at his average for this month is around the t- 12th round, but the highest I've seen him drafted at is just inside the 10th round and the most recent experts that have been ranking them Ranking him, have him ranked in the running back area where they typically go around almost the seventh round. 
So this is going to be a guy whose ADP is going to continue to rise as the offseason goes along. And I think this is going to be more than a perfect fit for him this upcoming year, unless something seriously goes wrong, like an injury or something like that. So that's overall my thoughts on David Bailey. Do you have any more things you wanted to add there, Xavier? No, I think I've given my uh, take on that. Sounds good. Um, I'll mention a few honorable mentions for some other kind of interesting transfers here. We could talk about them if you want to here, Xavier. But these are kind of the guys that I felt like interesting, but we could talk about them outside the show. Uh, Darwin Barlow, running back uh, to TCU, has transferred to USC, joining Keontae Ingram there. Sam Neuer, the starting quarterback for Colorado, transferred out, has moved on to Oregon State. Demetrius Robertson, after Eric Gilbert comes in, he's transferring out of Georgia, has not picked a landing location yet. Ross Bowers, starting quarterback out of Northern Illinois, is transferring out. He has not picked a location as well. Jalen Knox, wide receiver out of Missouri, is transferring out. He has not picked a location. And the newest one is Jake Smith, wide receiver out of Texas, is transferring out of Texas and is moving on to he is not determined yet so any of those names kind of pique your interest there xavier uh i, I would say jalen knox probably um uh, he wasn't you know the greatest receiver at missouri but i feel like he was the up-and-coming next guy with uh connor basilek and what missouri was doing with their program so it will be interesting to see from a talent perspective i like him i i watched him uh you know over the season watching missouri games and he was a name that kept on popping up a few times getting some uh some decent yardage and I was like well if you just had a bigger role or was uh you know getting more involved with the offense which I was expecting to happen this season so it'll be interesting to see where he goes um yeah he had 31 receptions for 305 yards but that's an average of 9.8 so I'm just like if we could have just had that production to go up which you know kind of is like second year obviously things are going to change uh you know Travis die with that backfield and you know Missouri's becoming a little bit more of a you know, uh, moving away from Larry Roundtree in that run game. So now they're focused on their defense and helping Connor out and getting them those weapons. So I was Does really excited to, for Jalen Knox. Does it happen to say where he's from? Uh, That's a good question. Uh, Probably find Mansfield. that on his, uh, what was it? It's from Mansfield, Texas. Mansfield, Texas. So him going to a Texas school would be kind of interesting. Plenty of options yeah. there. Yeah, you can go to uh, TCU, SMU, uh, Man, North Texas would be a fun one. North Texas would definitely be a fun one. Jalen Darden definitely needs a replacement. I don't think they – there may be a few names popping up there, but I don't think anybody on the Darden level. Um, trying so. to think. Uh, honestly, A&M. They need some wide receiver help right now. Yeah, That'd be an inter- that would definitely be an interesting fit there. Um, yeah. The two names that kind of pop out here to me – Darwin Barlow running back at TCU going to USC. I hate this landing spot. Darwin Barlow is a running back talented enough to start anywhere in the country. And I will believe he will get plenty of carries at USC. The problem is those carries are limited and he will be splitting those with Keontae Ingram this upcoming year. So he has lost any and all fantasy value that he could possibly have had for this upcoming year, which is a real darn shame. And then Jake Smith, wide receiver at Texas. Uh, transferring out dude has been plagued with injuries the entire time he has been there and it's really a shame because he was a top 50 player in his uh draft or not draft class top 50 player in his um recruiting class and dude had plenty of potential and 
we saw flashes of it at Texas, and it just looks like that he kept getting injured, kind of fell behind some of the guys like Whittington, Moore, and um, O'Mary, and now Xavier Worthy apparently is getting a lot of consideration. So looks like he just kind of fell behind some of those guys transferring out. I love to see where this guy lands because, again, if he can stay healthy, he could easily be the best wide receiver on plenty of teams. All right, so I think that wraps it up for transfer news right there. I think we covered a good bit there. Um, if anybody ever wants to ask our opinion on any of the guys that we uh, kind of brushed over there in honorable mentions, or if you have another transfer that you find interesting and you just want to know our opinion on, hit us up on Twitter. We'll be happy to answer it. So with that, we're going to go ahead and move on to our Dynasty draft. And before we get into the actual draft, we're going to talk about what exactly Dynasty is. And for a lot of our listeners, they already know what Dynasty is. And for those of you who are listening who already know it, bear with us. There are plenty of people out there who are wondering, I only do redrafts. I just kind of do my work one at or we, the one the league we do at work and everything. We just draft a team every year. And then I just kind of go week by week and everything. What is this Dynasty thing? So there are kind of three major points to cover with Dynasty in order to separate it from your typical common redraft league. And so point number one here is that a dynasty league takes place over multiple years. And so with a redraft league, you kind of take it year by year. It's a reset button every single year. Well, with the dynasty league, you are planning for multiple years in the future with the players you draft and the players that you kind of manage on your roster. And so the second point here, I'm going to let Xavier take. Yeah, uh, so teams keep their entire rosters except for those who have graduated or left for the NFL. So it's not like a campus to Canton where you just keep on following that player to the NFL and their stats carry over to your team. It just stops the buck of when that, that player leaves or either graduates or go to the NFL. So those are things to consider as well when you're drafting your players. Like uh, if you wouldn't want to take a senior that's about to head out for the NFL or just graduate in the first round unless they were just all world and you want that instant production. But that's like Malik you. Willis. But maybe it's not. Yeah, Malik Willis would be the name to say for that one. So, yeah, that's up to you about how you want to uh, evaluate. Do you want to play the long game or do you want to immediately win the league like the first year? Yep. And so the third and last point we want to cover here about what, like, what separates Dynasty from a typical le redraft league, and that's that rosters just tend to be a lot deeper in, in uh, Dynasty leagues than they do in redraft leagues. For example... The mock drafts that I typically do with the redraft league, you are looking at rosters that are maybe like 16 deep, like you go 16 rounds. The mock draft we're about to show you went 40 rounds with 14 teams. That's a lot of players that go off. You get really deep with it. You get right into the weeds of it. You are drafting people onto your team that you are not planning on actually playing for maybe a year or two, but you want to hold on to them just in case they do break out. So. Those are kind of the main differences between that and redraft. Again, in redraft, you're relying a whole lot more on the waiver wire. You got very limited roster spots and everything. Dynasty, you're pro like the waiver wire is open, but you're likely not going to be able to use it because so many people have been already taken and drafted on the teams. So with that, let's get to the fun part of this. So Xavier, we're going to talk about, we're going to go through the, the entire draft. We're going to go uh 10 rounds by 10 rounds so we'll talk about the first 10 rounds then we'll move on to our 
the 10, 11 through 20 and so on and so forth. Just kind of keep it organized and everything. So I'll let you kind of talk about your first 10 rounds first, Xavier. So who did you pick? Or you don't have to talk about every player, but like who did you pick? And uh, what were the ones that kind of stood out to you that you really liked? Yeah, I love my first four picks. I, I was picking I, I was picking from the seventh spot. So the first pick I made was Grayson McCall. I had a great season at Coastal Carolina, went on that great run that they had. And, uh, when, uh, was a top 25 team at the end of the year, and Grayson McCall was at the helm with um, CJ Marable, and now Reese White will be uh, his running back for this year. But I love what I saw to Grayson McCall. He had, uh, I think, around maybe 25 to 30 touchdowns. And also, it can, has the mobile ability as well, too. So I love that in my quarterbacks where they have that dual threat ability. And also, it's Coastal Carolina, so they're not playing the greatest of competition. And, you know, the only thing I worry about is, like, is he going to be good enough to where, you know, if he keeps continues this trend, will he leave for the NFL early? My hopes is no. But even then, if I can get him for two more years, I'm happy. My next pick was Deuce Vaughn. I'm buying into the stock of Deuce Vaughn at uh, Kansas State. I just love what I, I can get out of him. I'm getting receiving work, a lot of receiving work, and a lot of groundwork, and he's that clear number one at Kansas State. And the I guess we I guess we should point out that this is a um, full PPR league. Yeah. So that, that adds to your value on Deuce Vaughn there. Absolutely, absolutely. And then for my third pick, I was like, well, it's time to get a wide receiver. And who better to get with the number one in Arkansas State? Corey Rucker, uh, he had that amazing uh, second to last game where he went nine receptions for 300 yards. So it's just a uh, great value that I got there. And then from what we're hearing out of camp, it's just, you know, great things to, uh, for him going forward as well, too. And I don't really have to worry about Arkansas State guys leaving early as well, too. So if I can get him for the next three years, that's great as well. But uh, besides that, the rest of my guys, I like as well, too, Dwayne McBride out of UAB. Chris Olave was my more experienced pick where I was like, I need guys instant impact. Uh, I, I did a little balance of young and old. And old is in relative of like, you know, college if they're like a junior or senior. But uh, I think I like my running backs as well. I had Deuce Vaughn, Dwayne McBride, uh, Demonte uh, Trey, and I'm out of Aaron Arizona State, and Jalen Mitchell out of Louisville. So I love my running back room so much. Yeah, so um, I guess I'll just kind of talk a little bit here about the strategy of CFF Dynasty rather than C2C because there is kind of a major difference here that you kind of touched on here where you don't have to worry about guys' NFL upside nearly as much. So that doesn't limit the seniors and everything that you can take for one year. Um so like basically like in C to C, if a guy is a senior, even if he gets you a ton of fantasy points on the college side, but if he's not getting NFL draft buzz, he's almost I'm not gonna say he's worthless, but he's worth way less than he would be in like a college dynasty here. Because in college dynasty, yeah, you only get him for one year and everything, but you don't have to worry about it after that. So a guy who has NFL potential and a guy that doesn't have NFL potential are basically worth the same depending on you know, if they can get you the fantasy points, they can get you the fantasy points. You don't have to worry about it after that. So that's why you kind of see some of these guys who maybe would go like in around 11, like a Dustin Crum, for example, who would go in like around 10 or 11 in a C to C draft because there's not a ton of NFL aspirations for him. It doesn't matter in college uh, fantasy football dynasty draft. You're still going to get one year of uh, epic points out of him. Just the same as you get one more year of epic fantasy points out of Spencer Rattler or Malik Willis or something like that. They're still worth the same at that point. You don't have to worry about it 
past that. That's one thing I kind of wanted to point out there. So we'll go ahead and talk about my team here a little bit. I had the number three pick, and I was like, I love Brees Hall. I do. I love Muhammad Ibrahim. But when it comes to Dynasty, it has to be B. John Robinson, who's that number one guy. He's got at least two more years of production this upcoming year. I like him enough to where I have him in my top three already for this upcoming year. I think it's going to be fantastic. If I get two years out of that, rather than the one or two years that I get on Muhammad Ibrahim and Brees Hall for this upcoming year, I'll take Bijan Robinson. I felt very happy with that pick. And I finally got a Bijan stock because usually I kind of pass on him in the first round if he does fall for me, follow me for the most part, or he's taken well before me. So I was happy to finally get some Bijan stock here in this dynasty draft. I'm going to own him for two years at the very least. Coming back to me, I picked up another Big 12 running back that I'm very, I'm now very high on. Earlier in the summer, I was not quite as happy about this, but I'm fully on board the Eric Gray train. I like it. I like this pick a lot. I feel like I'm going to get a great value out of him for this upcoming year. In that top two running back group of Bijan and Eric, I felt it's a very solid two to run with for most weeks. Of course, they'll have their bye weeks and everything, but for the most part, I feel good about those two. As we get later in the draft, I'll admit um i wish i had picked up kennedy brooks with one of my later picks just so i could solidify that running back group but that's it's all said and done past that now my big strategy next and i kind of took i took a cue from um mike bainbridge who drafted spencer rattler in the first round and drafted caleb williams in the second round and i was like okay that's actually a very smart strategy where you just solidify the line of succession for a for a major fantasy program for the next upcoming years. And so I decided that my two big ones were going to be LSU, Miami. Especially after what I saw in the spring game, I knew Miami was going to have plenty of good options going into the future. So I want to solidify them. And with my third pick, I took Max Johnson out of LSU. And you'll see as we get... Around two later, I did end up taking Miles Brennan as well in order to solidify whoever gets that LSU start, I got him. Now for my wide receivers, again, you'll see Drake London, Garrett Wilson. These are guys I'm probably only going to get for one year because they're both probably off the draft after this year. Uh, Drake London, I'm not entirely sure, but even still. So I like getting both of those guys. Uh, Jaquavius Marks got him way higher here than I typically would in a draft, but again, it's a PPR draft. Jaquavius Marks is going to get upwards of 60 receptions this upcoming year. I'm going to fall in love with that. He's going to be fantastic for me. And he's going to be a great flex for me. Jordan Whittington, I do believe, will be the number one wide receiver this upcoming year for Texas. That's kind of where I'm planting my flag. Now, again, I'm not sold on that. That's why you'll see I kind of stacked up on wide receivers a little bit throughout this draft in order to make sure that, you know, somebody's got to pop off here. And you'll see Sam Pinckney out of Georgia State. I like him a lot. Um, Xavier, you didn't really talk about your second half of this first 10. Did you want to talk about some of these guys or not? Uh, actually, yeah, I, I do want to uh, talk about my quarterback. So I love Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State. That, that's my guy. I, I found him when he was a freshman. And I was just like, this is an interesting game when he played against Oregon and balled out. And I was like, dude, if he continues on with this, it's going to be great now. This past season may not have been the greatest because of COVID and not much practice with his new receivers, but I do think he's due for that breakout season. And then my... I do have one question for you. Yeah. And we kind of talked about this right before the podcast a little bit. So Arizona State's in a little bit of trouble, if you haven't heard. 
yeah. for our listeners back home. You haven't heard Arizona State's in some pretty deep recruiting trouble in terms of the fact that they were pretty blatantly ignoring COVID policies for recruiting during the pandemic and everything. And so the NCAA, it is thought, is about to come down hard on them. And there's even more rumors flying around that Arizona State might be cleaning house in the football staff. So head coach, all that possibly will be gone. Does that affect your opinion on any of these guys, Xavier? Uh, it only affects it if certain guys transfer out. I think okay. is, uh, enough of a talent, and I trust Arizona State, you know, to find a coach if uh, things go out the way that uh, you're, you're thinking uh, to be able to manage Jaden Daniels and still have a productive season. But the, it was devastating news seeing that. I hope that, you know, maybe it's false information, not true. The investigation leads back to nothing or, you know, maybe something light and, you know, nothing drastic has to happen. But if so, then I will be a little bit uh, saddened by this pick, but not too saddened. It's it's fine. All right. We, yeah, with Dynasty, it's multiple years. So if I find a freshman that I like coming out of uh, high school in a couple of years, and I'll just be like, all right, well, he's going to be my number one pick. All righty, fair. Any of the other guys you want to talk about before we move on? Yeah, I, I chose uh, – I'm, I'm, I'm choosing my winner of the Texas QB battle. I'm choosing Casey Thompson. And I was like, I, I feel like whoever has the QB from Texas this next year is going to just be so fantasy relevant and possibly can make his way into one of those top QBs that they just, you know – I'm not – we're not – I know a lot of people want, like, that next prolific QB, but even with Texas and all their weapons, you have Bijan and that – stable room of wide receiver talents with wide receivers i think you know even with a, a game manager you're still putting up decent stats as well too so you mm -hmm. know i love hudson card i wish i would have got him like i know somebody that sniped him i tried to stack up like uh mike bainbridge and jared did but i just missed out too early so i was like let me just go with casey this year i'm hearing good things he might win the job hopefully things don't happen in the middle of the season where he's taken out but i think I think, you know, Casey has the most experience, so I, I feel happy about my pick with Casey Thompson out of Texas. Yep, definitely fair. So we'll go ahead and move on to, oops, wrong direction there, Jared. All right, we'll move on to our round 11 through 20 picks. So you went first last time, so I'm going to go first here. Uh, round 11, stick it on brand here. I took Demontre Tuggle. I love the man. I'm not letting him fall too far. I typically don't let him fall past, like, round six or seven in a redraft. I was a little, willing to give a little bit more leeway because he is a senior this upcoming year for a dynasty. But when he was still available for me there around 11, and again, I'm looking back in my first round where I got Bijan, I got Eric Gray, I got Jaquavius Marks. I'm like, if I can get Demontre Tuggle as my fourth running back, I'll take it. Um, again, you'll see Miles Brennan there. I told you I took him a little bit later. It wasn't, it wasn't too far down. Uh, Darnell Washington was my first tight end off the board. Um, if I remember correctly, tight ends started going earlier in this draft than I was kind of expecting. Uh, yeah. So this was kind of one of those things where Darnell would not have been my first choice, but also I do believe that Darnell this year and next year, because he's only sophomore this upcoming year, is going to be fantastic for Georgia and could be one of those top tight ends for this upcoming for these upcoming two years. So I went ahead scraped him up, Terrian Stewart was a freshman last year. He's got two more years under his belt, and he was fantastic for Bowling Green last year. And they ran him into the ground, despite the fact that they were behind in a lot of their games. So he seems almost a little bit game script proof. 
So I was very happy to pick him up there, and I have to imagine he is not off to the NFL after his junior year. Uh, Mac running backs tend not to do that. So I'll be happy with having him on my roster for three years, I imagine. I took Garrett Wilson earlier in the draft, and I decided that I'm just going to go ahead and pick up a second Ohio State wide receiver to kind of hold, kind of hold on to that, um, hold on to that succession a little bit. So I took Julian Fleming. He even again, there's a lot of rumors that he's not doing extremely well in the Ohio State wide receiver room. Again, I'm not sure how true those rumors are, but even so, even if he has a reason to transfer out, he will be easily the most talented wide receiver at a plethora of programs that he goes to, and I'm still willing to keep him on my team for that. Uh, I took Josh Wow, tight end in Cincinnati. That one was mostly just a, I can get one more solid year out of you, and I think I'll be fine. Uh, Zakari Franklin, I like him. Uh, and then... Round 18 is when the defense run came a lot earlier than I was expecting. And so I didn't feel like kind of waiting on defense any longer because a lot of the really good ones were going off. Um, like there, this Ohio State, this is probably like the, it felt like the 10th defense taken off the board. Like I completely missed out on this run until the very end. I felt like I got good value, don't get me wrong, but Ohio State's defense I picked up there. And then to solidify my running back room a little bit, I took Toa Tuwau. And then I took a bit of a project QB in Harrison Bailey for Tennessee. I do believe in Josh Heupel's ability to at least put up a good offense at Tennessee. Now, I'm not going to play Harrison Bailey against the best of the best. Like, I'm not playing him against Alabama or anything like that. But I feel pretty solid in the fact that he can develop into something, into a fantasy player I will enjoy having a couple years down the line. So Xavier, those are my 11 through 20 picks. What are your picks after that? Yeah, so immediately in the 11th round, I wanted to get a little share of that Ohio State wide receiver room. So I went Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. So I was a lot of people are saying a lot of good things at the camp and up and coming that he's probably going to be that best receiver after Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave leave for the draft uh, this year, this upcoming year. So I, I wanted to get a share of that, even though they have a lot of good freshmen coming in as well. I don't know what it is about Ohio State. I understand they're they're getting up there to where they ha almost have the right to be called a wide receiver you with LSU and some other schools that want to claim that title. But um, I was like, I have to get a share of this, especially with his role this upcoming season. I think he's moving into the slot position, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. So I was like, eh. I was like, yeah, with him and C.J. Stroud, um, I was like, yeah, I, I want my wide receiver to get as many touches as he can and get used to these different roles because he definitely played the X when he was uh, this past season sometimes, playing the Y, the Z. So now that he's had one solidified position this season, I, I'm happy to hear that. But I know the talent that he is that, you know, things will change. It's more about like a successor type thing where – you're not going to overtake Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave. Those are the two guys on campus right now. But Jackson Smith and Jigba is next up. Then I went with uh, two homer picks. Next pick uh, with Georgia. I went Kendall Milton. A lot of good. A lot of people are hearing uh, saying good things about Kendall Milton for the future. And I was one of the first people to see it uh, firsthand how good he could be for Georgia. And you know, a, a lot of comparisons were being made to Nick Chubb as well too. And I, I believe that. So I'm taking a little bit of value here and looking forward to the future where Georgia, we're known for being running back university. So barring any injuries, you know, knock on wood, 
Uh, and then I, with my 13th pick, I took JT Daniels. I, I actually know a lot of people don't believe in JT this upcoming season, but I think he has too many weapons to fail. I think, you know, even though I'm not getting a dual threat quarterback or anything like that, I have a guy that I know could either put up, you know, I, I'm saying I, my hot take for the year is that JT Daniels won't throw less than 200 yards this season. And I'm like, I, he could either throw 200 or he could throw 500. Hopefully he'll be, uh, you know, the ladder of higher you know, with this new offense under uh, Todd Monken or where we're throwing three, 400 yards. But if not, it's fine. I know we'll have those games, but I, I, I like JT Daniels' accuracy and uh, what he does in the pocket. So I, I, I really, really was happy with my pick. And after that, I went with some wide receivers, some young ones too. I went LV out of the Arizona State and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. A lot of people forget about him this past season. Uh, former five-star. Well, he caught a tough uh, break. I'm not a yeah, he caught it. He definitely caught it. <laughs> right, that's a good one. Uh, and, I, uh, I feel horrible for that one. Oh, oh yeah. turn it, it, was, it was crappy, yeah. though. I'll give you that. <laughs> no uh, that's why y'all watch the YouTube version, because if you see, my face is now beat red. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, yeah, he's definitely a talented receiver. A lot of guys, even in the NFL, respect what he's doing and has a lot of mentors like Jerry Judy and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint are close. So I'm just like, I believe in his. I believe in his ability, and I believe with the way Georgia is moving that he will be utilized to the uh, to his maximum. And after that, I went with uh, on our little defensive run in the 18th round. I was one of the early ones that you know kind of felt like it was probably about that time. And when I started feeling it, it started happening. So I was like, let me just solidify and get Notre Dame out of mm -hmm. the way as a solid defense. I never have to worry about like Notre Dame's defense. Uh, rest they can worry about their offense for all I want. I don't really care for Notre Dame. Uh, you know, I loved Ian Book last year. I love Kyron Williams, but you know, when Notre Dame in those big games, I really don't really buy too much into it. But I love their defense, they're always a top five or 10 defense in uh college football. And then I just want a few more. I think Travis died. I know Jared was uh looking forward to getting him as well. And I was like, I wanted a receiving back, wanted another receiving back. And we both He's great for Travis PPR, died. yeah. I was like, look, we both agree that. Oregon's best running back is Travis Dye. I, I had a share of C.J. Burdell maybe two years ago, and I hated it. I know he had a re resurgence in the past season some games, but I was like, I still don't but he's injured him. for most of last year. Yeah, so I was like – but he played well the games he played. So I was like, mm -hmm. it was just interesting to see, but I was like, I, I'm not making that mistake again. I think Travis Dye solidifies that role. But, yeah. Oh, and also Purdue. I, ch I chose a winner. I'm going with Jack Plummer. I believe in Jack Plummer. Or, yeah, Jack Plummer. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, again, like in a 14-team league, if you're in the 17th round and everything, and you believe in some of these guys that are in caught that are caught in some of these quarterback battles, take your guy. Like, what's the worst that's going to happen, Xavier? You're going to cut him week two, go pick up a quarterback yeah. off the waiver wire that, you know, is going to do better than some backup at Purdue. Yeah. Like I, I think this is that's a great value for him to pick him up there because if you hit on Jack Plummer, you got a guy that's gonna be averaging you upwards of thirty points a game in the seventeenth round. I think that's incredible for you to grab him there. Uh one thing I did want to add about uh Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint. You were talking earlier when we were talking about Eric Gilbert, talking about him getting that exposition a little bit. Uh I've been doing some digging around for the George uh on some behind the scenes stuff on Georgia and everything, and Marcus Rosemey is kind of becoming that solidified exposition receiver. Ooh, 
I, I always I always had a feeling. I remember when we first got him, uh, you were you were Team Burton, I was Team Marcus Rosemary Jack Saint, and Burton just got more reps. And I was like, I know Jack Saint is talented enough. We're putting him in. Then that Florida game, you know, he went off until you know the, the tragic injury happened. But it, mm-hmm. I, I, I like him there. I like him. He's definitely an X type receiver. Yeah, out of those two, between Burton and Rosemary Jack Saint, this is what I believe. Burton's going to get more targets and therefore yeah. be a better value. But I believe Jack Saint is likely going to have a higher yards per reception. Yeah, he's definitely a go up there and get him type receiver. I think those contested catches for big yards, that's Jack Saint. Burton is just going to outrun you or just outbeat you with speed, just almost like Arian Smith as well. But he's a little bit more crafty with his releases and, you know, how shifty he is. So, yeah, regardless, though, this is not a Georgia podcast, unfortunately. Oh, um, no, a lot any, about the receivers. Oh, yeah, we sure do. Um, any, anything you want to say about my picks before we moved on? Any of the uh, any of mine that kind of stick out to you? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I loved Darnell Washington, you know, before the spring game. Now, mm-hmm. for the future, I, I think there is concern with another tight end that, you know, somebody they're both going to have to see the field. So, yeah, and that certain tight end, I believe you drafted a couple uh, in this next set of rounds, if I remember correctly. So, you'll have your chance to talk about him there. It might have been even later. I think it was a little bit later, but yeah, we'll see. So, we'll go ahead and move on to rounds 21 through 30 here. And so, I'll let you go first with your picks. Yes. Oh, I kind of like this round. I just realized. So, I went real like, I want to talk, touch on the wide receivers that I got. I got a lot of young wide receivers. I got, hold on. Before you continue, I don't, I want to point out to people that I made a typo. Round 26 should say Jake Ferguson, tight end out of Wisconsin, not Graham Mertz, tight end out of Wisconsin. I, I knew it was going to happen. I always make a typo on one of these. And I'm just like, I was kept looking. I'm like, there somewhere. And I saw, I saw yellow Graham Mertz. I'm like, Something's wrong there. Anyway, continue, Saber. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, well, I, I went a lot of young wide receivers this round. I think, well, not a lot. I only went three, but I think these are going to be high-impact guys. These these guys are going to be the next up-and-coming wide receiver groups. Dante Thornton out of Oregon, a Joe Joe out of Clemson, and I went Isaiah Crocker, another Oregon share, because I couldn't get um. Oh man, his name's his name, his name eludes me. The Oregon wide receiver is Troy Franklin. Troy Franklin. I wanted to share him as well too. If I could have had those three, because I think Oregon is brewing something. I think in the Pac-12, I know I have Arizona State winning for this year if everything goes well with uh, their battle with NCAA and next year. But Oregon and Mario Cristobal are putting together something special up there. So I wanted to get the shares early. And then this round as well, I had the last round where I went Braden Galloway at tight end. It was my first tight end. I was a little bit uh, skeptical about that pick once I made it, but I was like, there's too many tight ends going off the board. I think, you know, with DJ coming in as a quarterback, I think, you know, the, the relationship that quarterbacks and tight ends have when they're in the early stage of their career, I'll buy into the share of that. But this round, I made sure I get hit two guys that I would like. Jackson Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Uh, Jack Ferguson out of Wisconsin. Uh, I love what he did last season, even though he got hurt towards, the, I think, the tail end of it. Uh, I like what I saw out of him. And with him and Graham Mertz, which I don't, did double dip it with, I was like, I think I'm comfortable with that. And I went with Hudson Henry out of Arkansas. I think a lot of people are asleep on Arkansas with what Sam Pittman's building down there. And um, Hudson Henry is definitely a guy to look out for. I think he had a pretty pretty decent spring game. I think he caught uh, maybe a few receptions, not over 100 yards, but he had a touchdown as well, too. So I was like, I'm fine with that. He's very – I think he was a redshirt freshman, so this might be his 
official freshman year or sophomore year. So I'm really excited about Hudson Henry and what Arkansas can do with KJ Jefferson and the rest of their group. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, one thing I kind of want to touch on here, and you talked about, we kind of talked a little bit about this with uh, John Laub when he joined us for the live stream for Box Draft Monday. You paired up a tight end with a good QB. Um, and I think if you're, I'm not going to say desperate, but if you're in a draft and a lot of the top tight ends have kind of gone off the board and you're kind of looking at the sea of tight ends that are left, especially if you're in a deeper league and you're like, these guys are all the same. Look at who your QB is. Find the tight end that matches up with them. If they have a decent tight end, grab them. Grab them. I did this recently in a best ball draft. Um, I had Cornelius Brown the fourth on my team. Uh, quarterback out of Georgia State. I went and looked up Roger Carter. Has some decent. He had some decent tight end stats. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to pick him up a little bit later. Um, and I think that's going to be a great kind of combo for me. Where if my type, top tight end in that league, I think I have Isaiah Likely in that league. If he's on by, yeah, I'll throw Roger Carter in there uh, along with Cornelius Brown. So if Cornelius Brown has a good day, hopefully Roger Carter has a good day as well. So I think that is a great strategy, especially in these deeper, later rounds. And if you're looking for some of those backup tight ends and everything, pair them with one of your QBs. Otherwise, you don't, you don't want your tight ends out on an island. Like, if you're solely relying on a tight end's production without correlating that with somebody else, you're going to run into trouble constantly. I feel like you, it's, it's a better feeling in the back of your mind if you have somebody to tie it with him. So, do you have anything else you want to say about your team before we move on, Xavier? Uh, Making sure. Yeah, the running backs I went with. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, a few, a few running backs I went were just... They were different for me. These, these are the first times I, I definitely I heard it. I remember we discussed Imani Bailey at uh, Louisiana Lafayette being behind Chris Smith. And I was like, I heard good things at a camp. And I remember you were telling me that he's probably going to be the next guy up uh, in the future. He was a freshman last year. I don't know what Chris Smith, he was probably a sophomore going into his junior year this year, probably. I believe so, yes. So I was like, I'll take a share of Imani Bailey. I like what I'm hearing. Louisiana Lafayette. I mean, even though they've hit on Elijah Mitchell and Trey Ragas, it's not like, you know, a running back's dream school of going there. So I was like, if I can get one running back that's going to be decent, I'm hearing good things, I'll take Imani Bailey. And then I went with Marquez uh, Cooper out of Kent State, uh, Mac running back. I had to get a, a, a Mac share in there somewhere. So I was like, you got uh, two. Uh, two. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely two. Yeah. Uh, I'll talk about the other one in a minute. That was more of me doing my own research, but Marquez Cooper. Another freshman running back. Uh, Did you just admit that I do your research for you sometimes? Oh, yeah, you definitely do. Absolutely. Jared does a lot of the research. I just kind of sit back and, like, just watch games or whatever and just like, yeah, I guess. I mean, this player looks good. Then it turns out he had, like, two receptions for 26 yards. But that's neither like here nor there. But it's not all your research, but it's a majority of it. I look at the ADP sheet a lot. Jared updates it almost like all the time. I'm just like, all right, let's see what's going on here. Let's see. Again, what are, uh, it is a great on. tool. I oh, cannot stress it enough. Absolutely. I kind of sometimes I use it for the mock draft Mondays. Sometimes I want to cause chaos. Last thing to hear. <laughs> uh, we'll get on to the uh, Marquez Cooper Mac running back out of Kent State uh, with Dustin Crum, I believe, right? Yeah. Yeah, uh, so when Dustin Crum uh, leaves the season, I think Marquez Cooper, who had a great season this past season, uh, carried a lot of that, uh, that rushing load. 
And I, I can see that carrying on, even if Kent State does not, you know, produce the same without Dustin, Dustin Crum. I think Marquez mm -hmm. is the next guy up. Then I chose Darius Boone out of Eastern Michigan. I know a lot of people are infatuated with Preston Hutchinson's rushing ability and what he can do. And I love Preston Hutchinson. I, I absolutely I bought into the, you know, some of these Matt quarterback hypes. And I like what Preston Hutchinson offers. But when we're looking at Darius Boone Jr., I was just like, that's a, a you know, Preston Hutchinson can't, uh, you know, carry the ball that many times. Like, there's there's going to be times where he has to hand the ball off, establish the run, or, you know, these things like that. And I was like, Darius Boone is a guy that he he was definitely an interesting guy that I've evaluated. And I, I was like, I can get a share right here. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of the running backs were going away really fast. So I was like, let me get another Mac guy because it is the Mac. And if he does pan out once Preston Hutchinson is gone, I would I would absolutely be ecstatic by it, the fact that David's going to run into the ground. And then I went with Dylan Johnson out of Mississippi State. I know a lot of people love Jaquarius Marks, but honestly, there's not, yeah, Jared, honestly, there's not much difference between Dylan Johnson and uh, Jaquarius, uh, Jaquarius Marks. It's just that Jaquarius I'll tell you the difference between the two of them, and that's going to be about 20 to 30 differences in targets by the end of the season. Oh, yeah, by the end of the season, yeah. But, like, both of the, like, their skill sets are very similar. And from when we're here at a camp, they're doing a thunder and lightning type role. So I kind of like what I'm hearing with that. So I was like, we'll see what Will Rogers, you know, decides to do and what that coaching staff wants to do. But I was like, I'll get a little share of the Mississippi State hype, especially in SEC. Running backs are usually good and can develop there. So, and if he does end up transferring out, then I just got a good running back that can, you know, catch out of the backfield and rush. No, I think that's fair. Um, I do love your Marquez Cooper pick quite a bit. And by that, I mean, you absolutely sniped him from me that round. I remember this distinctly. I remember talking about him very, very, very soon before you picked him. Uh, regardless, I'm I'm not bitter at all. Uh, no, Marquez Cooper is a great value this late in the draft. We're around 25, and this is you grabbing a great piece of a very prolific Kent State offense. Um, obviously, Dustin Crum has his own rushing ability, but that. The scoring opportunities you are going to get out of Kent State are going to be limitless this upcoming season, when they, especially when they start playing in conference. It's going to be fantastic. Marquez Cooper is going to be a huge part of that. Kind of went under the radar, but he was averaging almost 15 points per game last year. Like Again, not the greatest in the world, but again, as a round 25 value, hell yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that all day long. That's a great emergency plug-in guy as long as it's not the first three weeks of the season when they're playing AM, Maryland, and Iowa. Yeah. Don't don't let it be an emergency then, but even still. I love that pick. Darius Spoon, freshman last year, I think is a great just pick him up, see what he does uh for Dynasty this upcoming year. If he doesn't pan out, you can cut him. Awesome. If he does, you got a great Mac running back. So I like that pick a lot. So we'll go ahead and talk about um my picks here from round 21 through 30. So I started this section off with two wide, two freshman wide receiver, or two young wide receivers that I do believe in. First is wide receiver Kyron Lacey out of Louisiana. Great size, great ability. He kind of broke out a little bit last year. He was the number one wide receiver as a freshman on Louisiana's team. Now Louisiana doesn't throw the ball around a whole lot. That's why I waited till the twentieth, twenty-first round to draft him. But Rumors are they are willing to spread the ball around a little bit more this year, throw the ball a little bit more, and I think Kyron Lacey will be the top beneficiary of that if they do decide to go that route. 
and I believe that he could be in for a breakout year this upcoming year. So I went ahead and drafted him. And then for Florida State, I'm, a lot of people like Andrew Parchment, and I do too. But Malik McLean is already, along with Joshua Burrow, who's the other freshman that just came in, but Malik McLean especially really showed me that he will be a guy that is going to be... Um, He's gonna possibly break out this year, and if he breaks out from this year and on, I'll take that on my I'll take that on my dynasty team all day long. Especially if Florida State gets as good as they possibly can be with the recruiting advantages they have being from Florida. So I think he's a great investment for me to have right about now. I took Charleston Rambo. That's one of my guys for this upcoming season. Um, I believe in him. I think he's going to be the number one wide receiver in Miami this upcoming year. And I paired it with Jake Garcia and Derek King there. So I think that's going to be a good kind of one-two punch for me there. Last wide receiver I took in this section was a freshman at Notre Dame. Followed his recruiting. He almost came to Georgia. He decided to go to Notre Dame instead. And I said, screw it. Notre Dame wide receivers aren't the best in the world. I'll be the first to admit that for fantasy. But, but, pair him with Tyler Buckner, who could be the most dynamic quarterback that Notre Dame's seen in a long time. Develop with him. I like what I could possibly get out of Deion Colsey, and I love what I could get out of him here in the 29th round. Now, moving on from there. Took some running backs here. Some kind of risk-reward running backs here. So, I took Josh Henderson, who is not going to be the number one running back in North Carolina this upcoming year. But I do believe I saw enough talent out of him in the spring game and for practice supports that he could be the number two. I do believe Ty Chandler is going to get the majority of carries, but Henderson could be setting himself up to be that next guy up after Ty Chandler leaves. And so I went ahead and grabbed him here. Jabari Small is going to be the number one running back at Tennessee for this upcoming year. And for me to get him here, the 28th round, let's remember... Eric Gray, granted, Eric Gray's more talented, but Eric Gray was a plenty good fantasy option last year as the number one running back at Tennessee. And that's when they had um, Jeremy Pruitt as their head coach and calling plays, all right? Like, we're not going to pretend that they didn't upgrade in coaches in terms of offensive output this upcoming year. Now, don't ask me about defense, any of that. I don't trust Josh Heupel on that end. But regardless... I think Jabari Small is going to get plenty, and I mean plenty, of good work this upcoming year and is a great value here in 28th round. Honestly, in redraft leagues, I'm surprised he's going undrafted. I, I legitimately will say that. Uh, and then in the 30th round, last running back I took in this section, I just took a chance on Noah Kane. Um, I think he still is. Before he was injured, he was easily the most talented running back room on Penn State's roster um, outside of Journey Brown, but Journey Brown, of course, was injured, had to retire from football, unfortunately, which is really, really sucks. I loved having Journey Brown. Um, and so Noah Kane's kind of the next guy up. He gets injured. He's out for the year. And so now Penn State could be looking at a running back by committee approach this upcoming year. But I do believe if anybody could break out, it's going to be Noah Kane because he has the most talented out of that running back room. So I took a swing here. Hopefully I hit a grand slam. And then defense, I took Liberty. I've been hyping Liberty up a little bit in terms of how much value they are at DST. They go way later than all the rest of the DSTs. And uh, they got a very soft schedule. I think they're more than worth it here. 
and the two quarterbacks I took here, uh, one was more of a safer option. That's Kenny Pickett, him going this late. Like, he's only going to be around for one year, but he's absolutely going to be a guy that I'm going to trust if one of my guys goes down, like my main guys. If um, for some reason I can't play in Miami, I'll put in Kenny Pickett. He's got good rushing ability. I think he could get me a solid 20, 25 points, and I could survive off of that for a week or two, and I think he'll be fantastic. Mackenzie Milton, same kind of deal with Malik McLean. Pair him up with him. If Florida State's offense is humming and humming, and they're only in Mike Norvell's only his second year, yeah, I'm gonna love that pick there in the 27th round. So there's my kind of picks for the 21st through 30th rounds. Xavier, you have any thoughts on these before we move on to the last 10 rounds? Yeah, I loved your uh, picks of wide receiver. A lot of young guys, uh, and then one uh, sure guy that with Charleston Rambo. I took a stock. Uh, took a stock a year too early with uh, at Oklahoma, but from what we're hearing and seeing out of the spring game at Miami, I, th- I do believe you with Charleston Rambo being one of the number one. It's between him and Mike Harley. I think Charleston Rambo. For what I saw the years two years before, where I thought he was going to be the next CD Lamb. Um, or that successor, I think Charleston Rambo is that guy. I love the Liberty pick, even though I believe in our league we're allowed to keep our defenses for two years. Yes. So uh, I like the one year for Liberty and their soft schedule. Uh, I don't know about what they have for 2022, but even then, uh, your first defense was Ohio State, and, you know, Ohio State recruits at a very high level, so they'll have that uh, defensive pro- – They'll have their defensive room, you know, stacked up eventually. Maybe they'll find another Chase Young. Maybe not. They'll still be one of the, you know, better defense. I believe they already had their next Chase so Young on their two, roster. Uh, His name is Jack Miller. Mm. We'll, uh, see. Like, we'll see. But... Dude had like seven, like five, five to seven sacks in the spring game. I can't remember off the top of my head, but he was a monster in that game. He was a freshman. Yeah. So, anyway. you know, Ryan Day at a high level, so yeah, I, I love the Ohio State and Liberty pairing. Alrighty, so we'll go ahead and move on to our last 10 rounds, and I believe I get to go first on this one. So, in these last 10 rounds, I got David Bailey here in the 31st round. The only reason I got him in the 31st round is because the transfer news of him going to Colorado State came right as I came, as it came to my pick and I said I'm snatching that right up um, before anybody else takes advantage of that there was no reason not to take him there um, in terms of other uh, running backs here I just took some swing picks uh, Evan Pryor is a freshman at Ohio State this upcoming year uh, he's coming in with Travion Henderson everybody's loving Travion Henderson and I get it y'all he looks awesome but if Evan Pryor does find a role for himself in that offense, I am happy to take him here in the 36th round of this draft. Cody Brown, a running back for Miami. I'll kind of let him sit on the bench for a couple of years. And then I took a swing on Roshan Johnson out of Texas. Um, again, B. John Robinson will obviously be that number one guy. Keelan Robinson, the news about him transferring in kind of sours this pick just a little bit because now he could be sharing that number two role with Keelan Robinson. But... I will say that, yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on this pick as much as I was when I made it. But again, during the time I made it, I liked grabbing Texas's number two running back, especially a receiving running back this late in this draft. Uh, tight end wise, I took two guys I believe in. Uh, tight end Luke Ford out of Illinois. Very talented guy. Got a lot of work in the spring game, a lot of work in practice. Um, I'm liking what I'm hearing about him. He's going to be utilized this upcoming year, so I went and took him. 
Uh, tight end EJ Jenkins, if you've heard anything about this man at South Carolina, he could easily be the best weapon they have. Dude is huge. I mean huge. And he's easily a red zone threat for them every time they get to the end zone. Now, it's South Carolina. I don't know how many times they're going to make it to the end zone. But, again, 38th round, I'll take it. Uh, wide receivers, kind of took some... Uh, I took my boy. This is probably my favorite player on George's roster, Dominic Blaylock. Um, dude's just a nice guy. And so I took him on my roster. I'm like, get back healthy and show the world what you're made of. Um, and then I took a Bamba receiver here late that I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting about. That's Slade Bolden. I know a lot of people... Again, John Menchie, of course. Uh, Javon Baker, I know a lot of people were kind of pushing. And then you got a whole crop of freshman wide receivers that people are in love with uh, from this past recruiting class. And everybody seems to forget about Slade Bolden. And Slade Bolden got plenty of work last year once uh, Jalen Waddle went down. He was kind of out there with Devontae Smith and John Mechie. And to me, it was enough to tell me that like Saban trusts this guy enough to be out on the field. And so I think he could be getting work again this upcoming year. And so again, I'll take him as a round 35th pick. Um, and then my last wide receiver that I kind of took here was kind of a flyer, but Michael Jackson the third out of USC. I like what I saw him, I saw out of him this spring. Um, I'll take him. I'll hold on to my hold him on to my roster while he develops and waits a year or two um, down the line. And then last but not least, I sure did. What was that? Are you sure you didn't take him for the pun? I did make a pun on Twitter about him, and so. That may have been how I kind of learned about him for the most part, but even still, it was good here. It was between him and Caleb Hood for this last pick, uh, who's a who's another running back at UNC who I like, and then Caleb Hood was taking one pick before me, so that kind of narrowed down my choice here. Um, and then my last quarterback that I took for this draft was Skylar Thompson in the thirty fourth round, and. I cannot believe how far this man has fallen. Like, I know he's had a lot of injury problems, but when he, his dual thread rushing ability is insane. And when he gets going, he can easily score you over 30 points a game. And so, yeah, I'm going to take him here in the 34th round. I'm absolutely going to hold him onto my bench until I can see that he's back to where he's supposed to be. And yeah, I, again, I like what I saw out of Skylar Thompson, and I don't understand why he's falling this late. Again, I know the injury problems are there, but his upside is way too much to ignore for him to go all the way down to the 34th. I'm drafting him in every best ball league that I can to have him just on my roster there for the games that he does go off because it's going to win me weeks when I can get Skylar Thompson in those leagues. And if I can hold on to him here and he's back this year, like no health risks or anything like that, I'm going to love having him here at the 34th round. So, any thoughts on my guys before we move on to your guys, Xavier? Uh, no, nah, uh, it was uh, sort of the last round, so it's like, you know, well, like we always say, the my guy rounds. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I like how you told me before, you were like, I'm taking a tight end, I'm taking Luke Ford out of Illinois. And I know we both love Luke Ford, and I feel like he's been getting the, uh, he's been given the short end of the stick by the NCAA for so long. And we all mm -hmm. want him to be successful because he is talented. So I appreciate that pick. EJ Jenkins, I knew uh, you were high on hearing good things. I still like Nick Muse out of South Carolina for what I've seen from him and his production. So it will be interesting to see. But for the rest of it, I was just like, yeah, it's pretty, you know, my guy picks. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if South Carolina runs a lot of 12-man sets this upcoming year with Nick Muse and for EJ Jenkins because they're both talented tight ends. And there would be no reason for them not to run that, especially since their wide receiver room is uninspiring to say the least. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on to your guys here in the last 10 rounds. So what do you got here? Yeah, I'll touch on the wide receivers first. I got a lot of great value here, I think. Uh, first, I got Dante DeMoss Jr. out of Maryland. I know he's a senior this year. And it's uh, a lot. I know that there's a, a battle on Twitter and all social media of like who's going to be that number one for Talia Tagovailoa? Is it going to be Rakeem Jared or Dante Demos Jr.? And I, I believe uh, one of our uh, one of uh, one of the people in the community had said that he you know he likes uh, a lot of these senior guys for that seniority. Uh, how do I put it? Uh, it's kind of uh, his turn, uh, let's say. It's uh, more of a, you know, you have to go through that rite of passage to, you know, gain that number one unless you're just all-world, which Rakeem Jarrett is, but Dante DeMoss is nothing to slouch at either. So it would be a hard throne to dethrone for that number one. So I think I had great value here. Xavier Henderson, another uh, Florida wide receiver. I didn't go uh, Copeland or anything like that. I just like the talent that I've heard out of uh, for his recruiting. I remember he was a four or five star coming in. He didn't do much, but he was inspiring enough for me to where, like, if if Dan Mullen can, you know, work his magic and find another quarterback, and if Emory Jones is that guy, I think Xavier Henderson can easily probably be that number one receiver, given his talent. Like, I love uh, Justin Copeland, but I think, you know, for Florida, they're going to need that extra special guy like a Kyle Pitts or uh, Trevon, Gar- Trevon Grimes or Kadarius Tony. I just don't get that vibe from Copeland. Then I went with uh, Aaron Smith out of Georgia, track guy, speed, speed, speed. So a lot of deep balls. And if he pans out, I think I just got one of the best deep threats in the country. Um, and then my last pick was Jare Jenkins out of LSU. Had a great season. Um, I feel like he was that second receiver with uh, Kayshawn Butte. You know, it's going to be a lot of double teams uh, coming his way. And I feel like Jare Jenkins is talented enough to take some of that pressure away from him. So those were my last receivers. And we'll touch on um, the two quarterbacks that took this round. It took Carson Beck out of Georgia. Brock Vandergriff was taken so long ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, next year, Garner Stockton's coming in. Hopefully I could get him because I love his ability as a dual threat and his arm as well. But Carson Beck, you know, really inspired me and Jared. I know it's another homer pick. Um, but in his spring game, Kirby put a lot of trust in him. We thought we were under the assumption that, like, Carson Beck is a good quarterback and probably could – you know, play at, in any conference. I'm not saying start or anything because I heard some good things out of high school, but I didn't know from what I've seen. But over this past spring game, I am inspired and think like, look, Carson Beck could be the next guy up if Brock Vandergrift doesn't develop as fast as a lot of Georgia fans would like, or if Garner Stockton's not that immediate freshman that we're just going to start as a true freshman. I like Garner Stockton as the successor to JC Daniels. So that's what I went with. And another guy, I feel like, you know, it has been kind of been given the bad, uh, uh, a bad rap due to injury. Charlie Brewer out of Utah, his spring game went 15 for 15, has a stable of receivers that are transferred in, and it's the Pac-12. So I was like, might as well. I mean, given his concussion history and, you know, not being available a lot, I think, you know, with the Pac-12 is going to be a little bit softer. Not saying the Big 12 and Pac-12's defense are that much of a separation. But I think there is still that separation uh, where it may give uh, Charlie Brewer a second chance at a redemption and show the nation why he was, you know, uh, that guy at Baylor at one point and, you know, kind of relied on as well, too. So I'm excited for him and I hope he does well. 
And then for lastly, uh, we were talking earlier about how Jared got Darnell Washington uh, out of Georgia, the tight end. And I was more inspired by Brock Bowers out of Georgia. Uh, four, five-star tight end coming into Georgia. The man is running routes like a receiver. He has the speed of a cheetah. I, I was just amazed watching him on the field. And it's just, it, it's just, it just inspired me enough to where, like, I feel like if we do run those, like, 18-man sets, or, or not 18-man, 11, uh, what did you say earlier, Jared? 12-man formations. Well, yeah, 12-man formations to where we're just, like, having two tight ends out there. Brock Bowers is still a sneaky good uh, tight end slash wide receiver weapon. We're like, look, you're going to have to double Darnell Washington. He's 6'7", 260. That's a big dude to cover. Brock Bowers is slippery, and I feel like he's going to get a lot of targets, you know, given that he is a tight end. And if he develops that chemistry with one of the up-and-coming quarterbacks, then that's going to be very, very scary. And then also I went with my last defense in the uh, the last, uh, the second to last round in the 39th round, I got Iowa State. Surprised, uh, there was still a lot of good defenses left in this, uh, in this dynasty draft, uh, available, but I went with Iowa State because they're returning a lot of their starters and they had probably arguably the best defense in the uh, Big 12 this past uh, season. And I think they can continue that. So I went with a, I went with a little bit of share of, uh, Iowa State. I am not inspired by my Desmond Jackson pick. I was just like, Hopefully somebody at that Oklahoma State running back room will, you know, continue this, uh, continue on the legacy of Chuba Hubbard two years ago, not the last year. But um, and I will with Cam Wiley because I was hoping maybe Muhammad once Muhammad Ibrahim goes up to the draft, Cam Wiley would be that next guy up. If not, I'll just toss him. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm hold on, I'm trying to look it up real quick. Yeah, uh, I'm trying to find where LD Brown went in this draft. Oh yeah, that's true. That was uh, he was, a and senior. he did not go in this draft apparently. Mm-hmm. So I was I was about to give you credit where I was be like, well, if LD Brown went before Desmond Jackson, I think you got the better value. But then, nope, can't give you credit on that one. Sorry, Xavier. I still got the better quarterback. I could have chose LD, but I was like, ah, he's a senior. I kind of don't want him. I'll take Desmond Jackson because he did have that one great game this past season. That's fair. Oh, that is that is very fair. Um, in terms of your guys, again, I'm kind of the same boat as where you were with mine, where everything I'm, I've seen a lot of your guys, uh, a lot of homer picks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Anyway, um, Cam Wiley out of Minnesota, I think is a good swing for the fence, not for this year, but if he is that next running back in Minnesota, I think you got great value there. Um, Dante Demas as a possible wide receiver one with Maryland's offense's upcoming year, I think it will be good for you. Dre Jenkins as a likely number two wide receiver at LSU in the 40th round. I'll take that. Or I would take that. I think he did well there. But yeah, I think overall, um, I'm, I'm pretty happy with my draft for this. I'm happy with this upcoming year. I'll ask you, Xavier. Again, with Dynasty, you are preparing for both now and the future mm-hmm. so which do you feel more comfortable with this year or the years to come with your team um, easily immediate answer is the years to come that's what i kind of uh, went with early in my draft i was like i didn't take a lot of guys that were heading off to the nfl i think my only major guy that i took off, that's going off to the nfl that's going to produce for me this year is chris olave that's and then that's a demos uh demas jr 
I, it was late. I round. mean, you got you got your fair share of seniors on here oh, and yeah, everything, but definitely not my fair share of seniors. But I didn't go uh, that early or waste that many picks on them. I probably have, uh, man, not that many. Yeah, I'm looking at your first ten picks. Out of them, Chris Olave, Jaden Daniels. Yeah, Jaden Daniels is a uh, you know it's it's it's. I, I think those are the only two I could really see going off to the draft this year. Yeah, so you're really invested in the yeah, future yeah, there. That's fifty fifty. Uh, um, oh yeah, he's getting some hype. Uh, yeah. Out of your next 12, 12, 10 picks, JT Daniels, he's likely off. Uh, Travis Dye, I believe, is Travis Dye, Jack Plummer, Braden yeah. Galloway. I think Jeff Foreman's also available, but he could stay an extra year possibly. Yeah, I think he'll stay. Out of your next Just young, and I would say your next group. Um, Nobody's leaving. I would say I think they are all freshmen or sophomores. Yeah. So. And then out of your last 30, yeah, you drafted really young. I didn't really notice that while we were drafting. You're, yeah, you, you may not have to fill your uh, team up too much after this yeah. upcoming year. Meanwhile, me, I'm looking at my team. Out of my guys, Eric Gray's likely gone after this year. Garrett King's likely gone. Garrett Wilson, Drake London, they're all gone. Uh, he's a senior, I believe, isn't he? Or... Uh, I can't remember if Sam Pinkney's a senior I'll or not. You, but, um, Jordan Whittington, if he has a breakout year, he's gone. Tuggles oh, a senior. Miles Brennan, he's gone. Um, Josh Wiley's gone. I can't remember what year Toa Tuau is. Uh, Zachary Franklin, I believe, is a junior this year, so he could be gone. Okay, Sam Pinkney is a sophomore. Okay, so yeah. I got I got him for a bit. Yeah. Charleston Rambo, if he has a good year, he's gone. Um, Kenny Pickett's a senior, I believe. Mackenzie Milton's a senior. Um, Noah Kane, I believe, is eligible this year, but I cannot imagine that he's going off to the draft coming off this injury. Uh, David Bailey, if he has a good year, he's gone. Um, Skyler Thompson, I believe, is a senior. So I got some work to do on some of my some of my guys after this year, but I feel pretty good about this upcoming year. I don't feel like I put my eggs in like all in one basket either way. I felt pretty balanced in terms of like the guys I got for this year as well as the guys I got for the future. And I feel like being in that middle balance will always keep me in the conversation for when I could win the championship every any year, possibly. If that makes any sense. So I felt pretty good about it. Yeah, I felt like mine's is a good 60-40 ratio. I was like, yeah, I think I have, you know, majority younger guys, but these are younger guys that can produce probably soon rather than later. Fair. If not, then, yeah, I can just, you know, if, if hopefully I can afford to drop a few and then maybe wait for next year to see some, you know, standout freshmen. Because honestly, if I go into the season and things don't start out well, then I'm fine with having a quote-unquote tank season and getting that number one pick and, you know, getting a Quinn errors or... I'm not yeah. sure that's how we get our draft picks Ooh, in this league. I don't believe so. Man, I wish. Uh, again, I, I know for a fact that, like, tanking is very frowned upon in a lot okay. of fantasy uh, leagues. Yeah. Because, like, I'm not, I'm because it's that. very easy to tank in fantasy. All you have to do is just put a bunch of bad players into your starting lineup and everything. Yeah, and I, that, I was, that's yeah, no fun. You want yeah. to try to convince people to stay in as long as they can. Yeah, for me, I was just like, look, I have a lot of young guys that probably can't produce immediately. Like, I'm expecting them to do that, but if they mm -hmm. don't, then I can wait for them to develop and mature. And if I end up at the bottom of the table, then 
it is what it is. And if, it, if it's the type of league where the lowest pick gets the number one pick, and I, you know, I did everything I could, then I'm fine with you know getting a. T- hopefully, I'll get a high pick. If not, then we'll have to rethink the strategy again and try to try to make some trades. That's gonna be the other thing we're gonna have to we're gonna have to be working on is uh, dealing trades and everything. I don't think any major trades have really gone on so far. I did some trades in the draft for future picks that were just interesting. That's true. Yeah. That's true. That's actually that's actually really funny that you mentioned that. I'll I'll tell the story. So Mike Bainbridge was actually shopping around his pick. I was stuck on the turn with that three pick and everything, so I had to wait forever. And he was offering like to trade up, and I was like, you know what? I, there's nobody really on the board right now that like I'm in love with. So yeah, I'll trade back a few picks. Grab I think give me like a twelfth round pick for next year, which meaningless effectively uh, for next year with all the guys that are going to already be off the board and everything. But regardless, I was like, you know what? I'll trade back a few picks, gain a little extra, see what I can do with it. So I, tra- I get traded over to the eighth pick of the round rather than the third. David Bailey announces his transfer to Colorado State at that eighth pick nice. in that round. And so it worked out great for me. And that's when I picked up probably one of my best running backs values in this draft. So there's my little story right there. I believe that is all the time we have for today. Xavier, thank you so much for coming in and talking more fantasy with me. It's always a pleasure to have you here. And so before we go, please make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please make sure you follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, whichever platform you'd rather use. Uh, Please have... Um, please follow us on Twitter at CFF underscore Jared and at CFF underscore Xavier. Both of our tags are right down there. Please hit us up anytime you want. We are more than welcome to answer questions, DM us, call us out on Twitter. We don't care. We'll be there to answer for you. On top of that, please make sure if you want to be prepared for your drafts this upcoming year, especially in redraft leagues, our ADP and ECR sheet is available and on sale for just $30. And I explained earlier in the podcast how to get that 50% off in order to get that. It's a great value. You can just ask some of our happy customers like John Laub, like Austin over at C2C. They can tell you how, how valuable it is for them. Kevin Brown over with Breakdown Sports. They will tell you how much they use it. On top of that, Please sign up for Mock Draft Mondays. The, the only way to make that ECR sheet even better is with more and more Mock Drafts. And on top of that, it's just great practice for you for this upcoming year. With that, Xavier, is there anything else you want to say before we head out of here? Uh, not really. Hope that everybody, you know, is enjoying the draft season before, it, you know, the actual draft start. Like you said, uh, make sure you follow us, ask us questions, you know, by the ADP sheet, because it will be helpful. I promise you. So. Yeah, just, you know, reiterating what Jared, uh, you were saying earlier, Jared. But, yeah, hope everybody enjoyed the episode. We are going to try to get out a few more, uh, you know, more consistently. Jared's been a little bit busier than usual, but that's fine. Yeah. Unfortunately, I had to start a new job recently, so that's probably why we were a little bit longer in terms of getting a new episode out. But, again, we're hopefully, to get, hopefully we'll get back on schedule soon because we got a lot to cover before the season starts, and we are here to help you if you are a fantasy veteran as well as if you are a fantasy newbie. Please do not be afraid to contact us. We will answer 
any question never feel like a question is like too easy for us or like you feel like it's a dumb question there's no such thing as Our dumb questions. questions there are no dumb questions there are only dumb answers and we're the ones giving answers so blame us all right <laughs> all right y'all have a fantastic day and thank you for joining chase and natty we will see you guys next time